Looking for more ways to engage with cryptocurrency during your day and week? One of the best ways is to follow us on our social channels. You can check us out on Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, and TikTok. We even have a private Telegram channel for all of those who check into our weekly Clubhouse sessions. So if you aren't following us yet or had a chance to see our latest content, please give us a follow today. You can find the links to our socials in our show notes and on our website. CryptoCurrent is happy to announce the AgMe Conference. Austin's going to make it. Our inaugural event will celebrate the vibrance of Austin's Web3 ecosystem by featuring a curated slate of panel conversations with the community's subject matter experts, promoting the local culture of innovation and setting a precedent for Web3 event accessibility by providing an in-person event. Join us at the Speakeasy venue on Congress Street for an amazing experience filled with networking, marketing, receive alpha, and enjoy the happy hour party to bring it all home. For more information, go to agmicon.com. That's A-G-M-I-C-O-N.com. Please get your tickets and we look forward to seeing you there. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of CryptoCurrent. Your host here, Richard Carthon. Today, we have another special one for you. We are continuing to let you all know about the conference we have coming up. Agme Austin is going to make it happening Friday, October 28th. And today, we have another special speaker that's going to be at the event and sharing a lot of great insights. We have Colin Wright, who's the Director of Analytics at the HBAR Foundation. How are you doing today, Cole? Great, great. It's a pleasure to be here. Super excited. No doubt, man. Well, I'm excited to learn more about what you got going on and what we're going to be doing at Agme. But first, let's learn a little bit more about you. Can you give us a little background on yourself? Sure, absolutely. So um, I guess I, I started my crypto journey back in mm, early 2014, 2013. Heard about this Bitcoin stuff, started started collecting a couple of them. Um, that, was, that was a long time ago. And then... Um, Kind of forgot about it, sold them all back in 2015, felt like a genius at the time, and um, spent a long time in the Web2 world from there. And I guess um, I guess at the exact top of the market, I decided to make the jump from Web2 to Web3 um, full-time. So I think I'm not alone there. Um, but before, So right now, I'm a director of analytics at the HBAR Foundation. And uh, my job there is to help us measure the success of our grants. We give out grants to um, organizations and developers building on the HBAR, uh, on the HBAR network, on the their Hashgraph. Um, and we need a way to uh, determine how successful those grants have been, whether that be on-chain or with their project updates. Um, that's the primary uh, role of what I do now. And that's really cool. I mean, I think it's amazing that there's these people that can literally receive money to come and build on top of the Hedera Hashgraph ecosystem. So for those who are builders in this space, especially during these bearish times and are looking for opportunities like this, have been looking for a way to kind of, you know, kickstart their entrepreneurial journey into to build in this space. And they think that Hedera could be a great place to start. Um, walk us through the process of, of how they would be able to apply for a grant and, and what is, you know, some things that you look for when, you know, choosing someone? Yeah, absolutely. So um, to apply for a grant, it's pretty simple. We just have a form on our website where you fill it out. And um, then we go through a number of reviews and approval processes to uh, and due diligence, of course. And um, at the end of that uh, process, we'll distribute some funding, whether that be uh, HBAR uh, tokens or 
some USDC, US dollars as well, depending on what's needed. Um, the types of companies we're looking at, we're looking for people with, uh, really realistically, we're looking for people that already have a go-live date kind of in mind for their product and already have something that is in development, ready to go, uh, in progress, or something that they're, they're trying to pick which chain to build on, um, how to decentralize. Um, and, you know, we try to put, push them over the edge to come over to our network um, versus some of our competitors. Gotcha. And I know back when we were first talking about you getting involved in this, it was cool to see the various types of companies that are coming and building from NFT plays to foundation plays to interoperability. Like you, there's a lot of really cool projects what are some of the ways, and I know I just listed a couple, but what are some of the different like kind of verticals um, that y'all recently have been, you know, given some grants to if you're able to, to speak on it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I guess, um, so we have a number of funds uh, for specific industries. We have our sustainability fund, which focuses on um, you know, sustainable projects, ESG type things. Um, a lot of, uh, a lot of trust layer type applications there where, um, like auditing how carbon credits are produced and then made liquid on certain markets. Um, so sustainability is one of the biggest ones I'd say for us. We also have a very large metaverse fund <clears throat> where um, you know, we're trying to get people to build out their, their worlds on our, on our platform. Um, and then we have some more boring funds like crypto economy uh, and some infrastructure funds as well. So that's kind of how we're thinking about it from like a developer enablement perspective and um, uh, metaverse sustainability, and then just going to set up sort of an other fund after that. Yeah. And I, I mean, I know that a lot of people are fired up in a lot of those categories, especially as it relates to uh, the metaverse. But you recently just came from a conference yourself and was able to go and meet and network and, and meet some pretty cool people. Like in, in, in leading up to AGME, you know, there's been several conferences that you, you know, been to this year. I know that we both met at NFT NYC this year and um, there's some others that you've gone to, but, you know, why do you think it's important for people to continue to go to in-person events like during these bearish times? Right. Um, I think it starts with the people for sure. Um, getting to see the people in person. Um, the technology is great. We we love the technology for sure, but the people that are building the technology and making those connections, I think there's there's something more to that. Um, so you know, for example, I got to meet um, got to meet the guys running the, the Brave team on the the Brave wallet and the Brave browser, and you know now now we're buddies. So uh, and and now I have a well, there's an extra level of trust. You know, we talk about trust later all the time. Um, there's an extra level of trust now that I've met these guys. So um, I think that's. You know, absolutely critical to be able to know who's behind the project, who's the who are the leaders and the builders behind the product. Um, as you can see, you can read a pitch deck and uh, could look really good, but if the people behind the the product are not, uh, you know, they're they're not not the kind of people you want to be partnered with or something like that, then the pitch isn't worth anything. Um, so I think continuing to make those connections, making you know friends in person uh, throughout the community is, is critical. Definitely. And to really get that FaceTime and to build that rapport, uh, I think is essential. And like once you have that kind of rapport with somebody, it's easier for you to then go and meet more people and, and, and get more access to resources for something you're either building or want to learn more about and are, are curious about. And, you know, that's 
that's one of the main reasons why we're doing Agby, why we are putting this conference together so that people can come together who are building in the Web3 community right now, uh, seeing some of the local talent that is in Austin. And you are going to be featured on a panel that is focused on interoperability. So what are some of the ways that H- Hedera Hashgraph and HBAR Foundation are taking active steps towards interoperability in, in that future? Yeah, so this is a big focus for me. Um, so as you can imagine, we we you know I look across a lot of different grants. We have a lot of different, um, I have a lot of visibility over across like who's building what, and I'm starting to see some patterns emerge in uh, the data connectivity piece. Um, how different applications are getting on-chain data, interacting with it in their applications. Um, so everyone's kind of going about this in a similar architecture, but slightly different uh, execution. And the architecture would be. Uh, so the data lives on chain. Um, so challenge one, how do we get connect to the chain data? How do we get the data? So everyone's got their own way to do that. There's usually an API or something like that. Um, and then comes the aggregation piece. How do you aggregate that data, the raw data coming out of the chain into uh, normalized tables that you can you know, read out of a spreadsheet? Um, and then how do you turn those raw tables into an application? Turn that into a front-end website where you can actually interact with your wallet and make uh, you know Web three calls. Um, so there, those are the three steps that uh, that I've seen that I'm seeing a number of different organizations work on. And uh, the aggregation layer, taking the raw data from the chain and compiling it into a meaningful database. That's the big challenge I'm seeing right now in the industry. And some extremely talented data engineers are, are working on that. Some of the brightest in, in the world. Um, I was just at the Masari conference. Um, and their engineers are saying, we, we see everyone doing the same process, are following the same process here to aggregate that data. And some people are doing it better than others. Um, I think over the next few months, we're going to see um, some more leaders emerge in sort of that... Um, uh, I don't want to call it layer zero because it's not a layer zero type protocol, but it, it will serve some of the same functions. Aggregating lots of data from lots of different chains together, making it available for business analysts and data scientists to consume easily. Um, we're not there yet. And I think some tools like Dune Analytics are getting there. Um, some chains, I don't want to name any names, are a little bit further along in that data science path than others. Um, but yeah, that's the that's the way the industry is going. I think we're still going through that infrastructure phase where we're trying to get all the data, compile it, and then make it shareable at at scale. Um, the scale piece, I think, is is a little bit more challenging with the blockchain data, um, as opposed to like a traditional uh, Web two database where you know scale is not an issue. We can just run as many programs as we need to. Um, right. Yeah, some of these APIs for these different chains are a little bit more restrictive because of the architecture and the uh, the way the data works. So I think we have some progress to make on on those few pieces of the uh, architecture in terms of uh, you know aggregation, getting the data, and then sharing it. Right, and I was having a conversation with someone about this the other day of like just how nascent Web three is compared to you know Web two, and how a lot of foundation is being built right now, but we're as more foundations being built, the faster we can move, the easier it will be for these aggregators to take data, be able to use it in a constructive way, and then move faster on to the, to the next target uh, thing that they're trying to solve. So I'm excited for it. I'm, I'm looking forward to, to that particular conversation. But you know, as you look towards AgMe, what's something that you're looking forward um, at the conference? 
Um, definitely meeting people, connecting and, and discussing like the, uh, what other people are seeing in the interoperability space. Um, as, a, as a data person, uh, that's kind of where my, my passion really is, is in like the data science things, analytics, um, and then being able to work with, uh, you know, being able to work so closely with the data on like the cutting edge of this, uh, of this technology industry. It's, it's, it's a true pri- privilege, to be honest. Um, because there's so much that needs to be built and so much that needs to be done uh, from the data perspective. So I'm really curious to see what other people are doing, uh, learning more about, you know, um, what other projects are up to and how they're handling some of the same problems that all of my grantees are seeing that I'm seeing. Um, so I can't wait to just get other people's perspectives. Definitely. Um, and I think there's going to be a good group of people that not only are focused on that, but also have a ton of other verticals that, you know, they're, they're pretty in, in depth in. So uh, I know I'm for looking forward to, to seeing you there, listening in. And, um, you know, as, as we kind of wrap up here, man, what's the final thought that you want to leave with uh, everyone listening in today? Oh, <clears throat> keep building. I think it's, uh, it's time to build um, and get your products ready. Um, and if you're scared to take a, a jump into to like starting a product, look, go ahead and do it. Um, I think now is the time. Um, when, when the next bull market comes back around, I think it'll be quick. It'll be sudden. And uh, some products will be ready and some will not be. Um, so I think the people that have their products ready to go are going to be in a much better position to take full advantage of um, you know, when the market flips over the next couple of years. Um, yeah. So again, I think the uh, the other piece I'd like to finish with is 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 to hammer back on that architecture piece. That is what's holding this industry back, in my opinion, from uh, the developer's perspective. Being able to get the data and do whatever you need to do with it quickly at high volume. There's not many chains that can really do that right now. Yeah. Um, some, you know, like I said, some are better than others, but. Uh, that scale piece, that volume piece, um, we're not there yet. So uh, definitely keep an eye on some of those other data companies that are bringing all of the chain data together from all different uh, different uh, blockchains and projects. Um, I think we have a long way to go in terms of enabling developers across the whole uh, industry. Um, so I can't wait to see once we unlock that piece, once we get the data volume unlocked across the whole industry, what do we build from there? Um, where does the industry go from there? I think we're, you know, at the very, at the very beginning of all that. Which goes back to your, uh, you know, original final thought of builders need to build right now. Um, Thank and, you for joining us for ready. another episode of Crypto uh, you know, We get past the other side. There's the currency and blockchain Whoever is prepared and ready to gap between the curious newcomers who are just discovering the space may not. Leaders who are as we get closer to getting this architecture figured out, expressed by Richard Carthon, this industry will turn a faster and hopefully get a little bit closer to mass adoption. Their own opinions. This show this and web any other cryptocurrency production exclusively so, Cole, for information. Really purposes. appreciate you spending some time with us today. What are ways that people can connect with you and learn more about what's going on at the HBAR Foundation? Yeah, you can uh, you can follow me on Twitter uh, at Cole Enright. Um, you can 